As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What it do, baby? It's the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. The audio discussion none of you have ever inquired about or desired. On today's episode, I have quite possibly the best conversation that I've had to date, and it's all due to the guests, not because of me. Today, I talked with Todd Wagner, who's the pastor and founder of Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas, and he brought the freaking heat. If you want to be challenged, if you want to be convicted, and you want to be encouraged, keep listening, because this guy knows more Bible than you could ever imagine and had some great takes on the Preachers and Sneakers discussion. I was incredibly convicted and challenged, and I think you will be too. Take a listen, and let me know what you think on Apple Podcasts by leaving a rating and a review if you feel so inclined. Okay, that's enough of all that. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Pastor Todd Wagner. Guest today is Todd Wagner. He's pastor and one of the founders of Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, he's written a book called Come and See. He hosts an incredibly helpful web series called Real Truth Real Quick that we watch all the time. And he's one of the hosts of the Church Leaders Podcast, which is also incredibly helpful. Todd, thanks so much for taking the time with me today. How are things going with uh, pastoring in a virtual world today? Yeah, you know, um, it's not been as fun for sure, but uh, it's it's still a great opportunity to get the gospel out. One of the things that happens, you know, when the world is shaken is that people start to look and see if what they relied on was um, the thing that they should be relying on. And yeah. so I think there's a sensitivity to the gospel that hasn't been there. I think one of the real advantages of this is kind of the attractional church model is being exposed a little bit when people mm. only kind of um, would, would go to where you were leading was because the show was better than somewhere else. Right now that show can't show up. Yeah. And so if you don't have something else to give folks, there's not going to be much motivation to get together. And I, and, and I frankly have been really encouraged because, you know, we kind of war game for this moment and um, I've loved watching the body of Christ just be about it. So 
you know, um, I wrote a little thing uh, that I think our local paper published because they had asked me specifically, hey, what do you think about this um, encouragement from the government to not get together now? In fact, it's a, you know, a bit of a, more than an encouragement. It's, mm-hmm. it's a restriction. They don't want folks more than 10 to be together. And I, I just responded. I said, hey, listen, if the government asked us to do something, the Bible didn't give us optionality on, I'd still lean into it and we'd do it. But you know, the command to not forsake our own assembling together is not a command that is related to just an hour a week. And too many people for right. too long thought that. And it's been great to be able to give people some clarity on what worship really is, what it means when we're commanded to gather together. So I've been really encouraged to watch how the body of Christ, my friends that follow Jesus with me in Dallas, have been getting after it during this season. And it, it just so much has been stripped away that kind of reveals what's necessary and what isn't like so much of church gatherings today have a lot of unnecessary elements to it that kind of over the years to kind of been built up as a non-negotiable. And now we're seeing, I think seeing churches operate purely off of look, preaching worship and encouraging one another and none of the coffee, none of the lights, none of the smoke machines. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think you're exactly right. It's kind of what I was alluding to a little bit when I just said that attractional model, like, hey, come here because this is going to be a better show than the other shows in town um, has shown itself for what it is, you know, rather empty. Yeah. When, when you're hurting and when you're lonely, you know, I mean, you can delude yourself that you've got some connection with other people by being in the middle of a, a rock and concert environment um, or even a religious service, you know, that, that a service that's formed with um, religious movement. But what people really need is deep heart connection. Yeah. God doesn't even call us to religious forms. In fact, he warns us against um, having those who love a form of godliness, but deny its power. And power always has existed in relationships. And so, mm-hmm. again, there's nothing wrong with lights and maybe smoke machines and, and music that moves our spirit. But what ultimately God wants all those things to lead to is deep connection with him and then deep connection and intimacy with one another, not just um, an experience of a moment, but a deep relationship with a person. God is a living person and he's given us one another, right? He's given us um, a connection with one another where we love each other. And like it says in Hebrews three, we don't forsake uh, not only are sabbling together, like it says in Hebrews 10, but in Hebrews 3, we encourage each other day after day, mm-hmm. um, not just the day that we gather that we put on amazing shows. So I, I really have, like I said, been so encouraged to see the number of people that while we gather and while we do what we do with excellence, right? Because I, I, you know this, I believe that excellence honors God and inspires man. So yeah. we do the best we can when we do gather to do everything with excellence. And by the way, I just want to encourage a lot of guys out there that maybe don't have some of the resources that 20 years into this thing that now I have, that I would always define excellence by doing the best you can with what you have, not what somebody else could do um, a whole lot better. Excellence is just, you know, whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. And if God hasn't given you assets to um, have great lights or, or maybe even right now, um, you know, excellent musicians stacked around you. Don't worry about that, man. Just be excellent in your love of God. That's what he loves. And frankly, you know, I've really enjoyed just being able to um, look folks in the eye and talk to their heart. You know, some people have kind of gone this route during this season where they've put everything on stage and made it look like you were there watching like you were on stage. Mm-hmm. And I've purposely not done that because we're not 
together in a one-to-many environment. And so I've just tried to talk in a one-to-one way. Um, we've even taken some moments in the middle of message to say, why don't you stop right now and reflect on this in a way we wouldn't typically do on a Sunday oh, yeah. where I say, hey, turn to the person next to you and, and take some moments to talk about this. Just this last week, we took some time to say, why don't we stop just for a second? Why don't you reach out to somebody and encourage them in this way? You know, and so it's been, I mean, I, I've loved the creativity it's demanded. And I, I, I can't wait to get back together in the same room because uh, certainly us being together is uh, a, a way for us to deepen in our uh, opportunity to get to know one of those hearts. But during this season, you know, even like you and I are talking virtually right now, uh, a lot of us have to do a whole lot more of that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been incredibly encouraging to us. And I'll be interested to see what type of reach all of the different churches doing virtual type services create at the end of this, whenever we're able to meet in person again, I imagine that the reach of all of these different services will be massive, which is encouraging. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Because like, for instance, this weekend, um, you might, you know, you've got friends from when you went to college and, and where you grew up, if you know, you're not from this particular area, mm-hmm. all across, you know, the country and all across maybe the globe. And you might have encouraged them to find some place where they could hear truth this weekend, but you couldn't invite them, in our case, to come to Watermark. But now everybody's got to go to church kind of, um, you know, by virtually anyway. So I can invite somebody in Ohio or Pennsylvania or Ethiopia into our gathering this weekend. And the same way I can invite folks that were right here around, you know, one of our campuses in Dallas. So, you know, I, I am, I'm praying our body invites all their relationships and just says, man, if you're not connected someplace, come with me this weekend yeah. and hang out at Watermark and, and, and we'll, you'll get to see what it is that I believe and I'd love to engage with you about it afterwards. So I do agree that churches now have a chance to encourage their members to be, you know, um, real intentional with their invites, not even just geographically, but across all their breadth of relationships. And so, you know, Easter, we usually have around 25,000 folks or so that physically make their way to one of our campuses. I I would not be surprised if that's 100,000 this weekend. And it ought to be if we're doing the best we can to invite friends to come and join us. And so in in one way, it's a good opportunity. Yeah, and uh, on both sides of that relationship, neither person has uh, many excuses now. <laughs> people have a lot more time and people have a lot less obligation right now. And so uh, hopefully everyone's bold enough to invite others and people are willing to uh, at least check it out. I think a lot of people's lives will be impacted. So I well, want- I'm, pray- I'm praying that way for sure. You know, I'm asking that God would give me clarity of, of thought and speech and that, um, you know, in his kindness, he would direct a lot of folks not just to show up, but man, to have hearts to hear and ears to listen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to change gears a little bit because um, I I really value your insight and uh, your ability to reference uh, verses. And so while some of these things, kind of the, the whole thing around my account is talking about consumerism, capitalism, and celebrity within the Western culture, a lot of these things seem like secondary issues. I recognize that now, given the pandemic that's happening. And, and so I, uh, you and I had kind of coordinated to talk about this prior to the whole virus thing happening, but I still want to get your insight on, on some of these questions that, um, a lot like myself and a lot of my followers, uh, on Instagram and Twitter care about. So I've got a couple of questions and we can just get through as, as many as, as we can get through. But, uh, my first question for you, uh, from your perspective or the Bible's perspective, 
what does the Bible say, if at all, about getting wealthy off of the gospel? Like not making a living wage, but actual significant wealth, which is kind of a subjective term, I know. But uh, a big question my followers myself right now is, is it okay to seemingly get rich from being just a pastor, just a worship leader, um, et cetera? Um, because it makes a lot of people feel icky, and I'm trying to kind of figure out what that is. Yeah, well, such a great question. You know, I, here, here's what I was saying. What happens is probably not as important as what you want to happen. And so, you know, I, I would say this just in general. Like I, I tell people all the time, I'm not really responsible with what you do with me. It's what I do with what you do with me that is my responsibility. I, I, um, I'm always, you know, trying to remind folks that, Hey, listen, even though I'm in the role of pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm your brother in Christ. It, it's interesting right now. You and I are going through first Thessalonians together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Paul, when he's talking to his friends in Thessalonica, he's not dropping the fact that he's some separated apostle. He's not afraid of who he is, but he knows who he is. He addresses them as brethren a whole lot more as congregant, you know, than he does as congregant. And, and so when I'm talking to people, you know, a lot, I'm just saying, Hey, listen, man, I, I, I'm, even though I'm privileged to serve as a pastor, as an elder, as a, a mature believer, who's providing leadership and encouragement to you, man, I, I'm on the way to heaven with you. God has not glorified me and it has kind of spit me back down to earth in a glorified state to tell you weak young Christians, you know, how you should live. I'm making war against sin with you. And I need you to pray for me and encourage me. And hopefully my life um, is above reproach enough that I ought to be, you know, somebody that you can imitate as I imitate Christ. But, but I'll just say this, you, you know, here's, here's some scripture. And so that, that's in the context of your specific question. Yep. And again, I'm answering it by, by first going to what's our goal. And if my goal is for you to venerate me, then I shouldn't be in a leadership and a past position anyway. That's what the Gentiles do. That's the way that pagans lead is they want to have position and power so they can lord it over others, right? That, that's the problem with most people in power is they use their power to maintain their power or extend their power mm -hmm. instead of using their position and maybe the power that goes with it to serve others, right? That's why Jesus says, look, man, I'm your example, not the leaders of the world. Right. Um, you know, I don't want celebrity so I can be a celebrity. I, I want, if God's going to give me renown, so I can help others know why to celebrate Christ. And so, you know, I like to describe myself this way all the time. I and mean, if anyone wants to regard me, let it be this way, as a servant of Christ mm -hmm. and a steward of the mystery of God. So as a servant of Christ, uh, my goal isn't to get rich, all right? And that's why we're called you know, the, the scripture tells us as we remind one another that the thing that we should do is remind even those that are already rich in the world, okay, that they should not be conceited or fix their hope in the uncertainty of riches or in the case of celebrity pastors and all that nonsense. Mm -hmm. You know, um, fame takes wings. And, you know, um, I think all these different ideas that men have that I'm going to be happy if other people see me in a certain way. The Bible says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be considered to fix open the uncertainty of riches or popularity, but on God, you know, who supplies all things. And so our command to one another is instruct each other to do good and be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share. Why? Because we are storing up for ourselves 
either judgment or as it says in what we're first Timothy six, verse 19, I think it says, you know, treasuring, uh, we're storing up for ourselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future. Mm-hmm. And so we can take hold of that, which is life indeed. And life indeed is not being seen somewhere right now. It's living for an audience of one who is going to, at the end of the day, say, well done, good and faithful servant. It was funny. I was watching with my, my, my boys, uh, you know, I walked by and the TV was on and we were watching the, gosh, what was it? 2010 NBA finals. Okay. And uh, it was Boston and LA. And, you know, I don't know what title that was that Kobe won in 2010, but I just sat there and watched all those people that were just totally enraptured with whether or not the Lakers were going to win and Kobe was going to be the man. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Paul is the one who won that game for him. But that wow. aside, I thought to myself, <laughs> how much Kobe could care less right now that he played in the NBA mm-hmm. and that people thought he was just, you know, the black Mamba. I guarantee you. Okay. I mean, you can be Kobe and faithful, but I guarantee you Kobe wishes right now that he was um, a devoted disciple 10 to one over being the black Mamba. Wow. So I don't have any idea. I, you know, word is after that, the tragic helicopter accident that Kobe had, you know, I, that Kobe was at mass that morning. So I don't know anything about Kobe's faith yeah. other than apparently at least he had some devotion to Catholicism and I, I pray specifically to Christ. But I will tell you this, Kobe has no illusion right now about what matters when you're on earth. Wow. So I celebrate all the times. It looks like he was a great dad and he got his head screwed on straight eventually and repented of being not such a great husband mm-hmm. and hopefully, uh, you know, focused more on being a, a good husband that way, but I can tell you a thousand to one, a million to one, infinity one, eternity to one, what Kobe knows matters. And it just shocks me all the time, the way all of us sometimes think it's a bigger deal to have Kobe go to our church and Kobe think we're a good pastor more than being a good pastor to Kobe. Yeah. It's such a specifically, I mean, it's, we have, all of us have a heavy calling, but pastors specifically have an immensely heavy calling. Um, And, why do you think, and maybe this is a leading question, but why do you think people that attend churches or are part of a faith, specifically Christianity, place different standards on their pastors or worship leaders or whatever? Like an example is whenever my account blew up, people freaked out about, you know, the price tag behind the clothes that some of these guys and girls were wearing. What do you think? I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this where people place some type of standard on how you should be spending your money or how you should be living. What do you, what do you have to say on that? Well, I think they should. Okay. I'm going to just go ahead and say, I think they should hold us to a different standard because let me go back to the original question you asked me too. You know, um, the scripture says a pastor or an elder or an overseer, those words are all, you know, interchangeable. It says they must be above reproach. Yeah. So, and, and, and then it lists, I, I really think that's the umbrella term that, that Paul says that, um, that should define who we are. I mean, just being, being above reproach and uh, that we can serve if we are. And then I think he gives like nine different characteristics that describe what being above reproach might look like. So first of all, the husband of one wife, and you know, there's a real truth real quick on what I think that means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. In other words, that doesn't mean you're great in one-to-many communication, it just means that when you open your mouth, you rightly divide the word of scriptures. It doesn't hurt if you've got a lot of people listening to you that you can hold their attention, yeah. but that able to teach doesn't mean you're a great public speaker. It means that you are 
faithful to the text. Wow. Now watch this, not addicted to wine, not, a, you know, some chump that is, you know, pugnacious or um, creates trouble just for trouble's sake, but somebody who's gentle and peaceable. And then watch this, free from the love of money. So I think the concern that people have is, hey, man, what? why is this guy doing what he's doing? You know, um, if he's using the gospel as a means to an end and not an end in and of itself, yeah. then he's a bought Levite. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading through the Bible, you know, right now. Uh, I decided to read through it all again this year. And I, I like last week I was in the book of Judges. And there's a story there about Some a young Levite. Reading that gets a little wanderlust in his soul and he starts to, um, you know, trek north to try and find out if there's something better than being a, a pastor and a priest, uh, you know, if you will, in Aaron's kingdom. And he shows up at a guy named Micah's house who wants to have some religious services, but he gets this young Levite. And he says, hey, come work for me. I'll give you 10 shekels on a shirt every year, a new change of clothes. And that guy says, sure. And so he just takes on some syncretized, religion. There's still some order of service there. He's got an ephod that he puts on, which is what the priestly clothes look like. But he basically becomes whatever Micah wants him to become so he can get 10 shekels and a shirt. And then a little bit later, by the way, the tribe of Dan comes down and they want this guy to bless him. So he goes, hey, you know, if I got 10 shekels and a shirt for serving one guy, I wonder what I could get if I served a whole tribe. And so you see this Levite who doesn't have this love of God. He's got a love of being a celebrated individual by either a wealthy person or a wealthier tribe. And that guy gets the household and the tribe in trouble. And that's what pastors who don't want to serve people, but are frankly trying to figure out what the people want served to them hmm. end up doing. They get themselves in trouble. They're an offense to God. They're not a faithful Levite. They're not a faithful pastor. They are fleecing the flock and they're chasing some other God. So I, I in, in some ways, I would tell you that I think it's appropriate that people go, hey, what's that guy's motive? Now, this is where we do get in trouble, though, okay? Mm -hmm. Just because somebody is celebrated doesn't mean their motive was to get celebrated. Right. And just because somebody is um, able to uh, or, or is compensated in a certain way, doesn't mean their goal was to be compensated in a certain way. Hmm. What I would tell you is, you know, a lot of folks, the, the old joke is that people pray and say, Lord, give us just a poor, humble pastor. You keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. And I, 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 don't, I don't think that's necessarily biblical. Why would, we, um, why would we not let our leaders have to wrestle with the same things that the entire body has to wrestle with. Now, I think when you live in a way that's different and separate from your body, that that's going to put you in a really dangerous place. And by that, I mean, not everybody in the body lives exactly the same way, right. but in a way that is in touch with people and the way that the people that they're ministering to live, you know, I think there's some appropriateness to this. In other words, I don't think it's right that everybody on my staff, I make a decision for them that they're going to be, um, good stewards because they have to be, that they kind of have, a, have to live paycheck to paycheck. If, if, if they're gifted in what they're doing, then we want to compensate them in a way that they're going to have to make the same decisions that people that are gifted in what um, they're doing in other places have to do about how to be faithful with the resources that the Lord rewards their excellent work 
with. Now, if I see somebody who wants to come work at Watermark because we can pay more than a smaller church or um, because their goal is to make more money, then that's a person I'm not going to hire anyway because yeah. I want somebody whose goal is to love God and to love others. Yeah. But I'm not going to say I'm going to pay you the minimum wage just um, so you look spiritual because you're not spiritual if you make minimum wage. You're also not spiritual if you make a billion. You're spiritual if you yield to the spirit of God. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, and I will just tell you this, it's a whole lot easier to be faithful to the Lord when you don't have silos full of provision that can give you the illusion yeah. that you're going to be, you know, some uh, guy who's able to care for himself, you know, on his own accord or by his own means. So there's a reason that wise men, you know, have prayed for a long time, you know, Lord, don't give me more than I need because I might grow vain and say, I don't need you, or don't give me so little that I become desperate and steal. So the Lord is, is pretty clear that the thing that we need to keep before us all the time is dependence upon him. And it's a whole lot more to remind ourselves of our need for him in times of great prosperity. People don't do typically very well with prosperity. And I think one of the marks of a faithful, mature believer is that during seasons of blessing and prosperity, they're still just as dependent upon the Lord and they don't grow to love things. They stay in love with God and they always remember things like Paul said, man, the Lord himself said it's more blessed to give than receive. And so they're not looking to get more so they have more. They're, uh, they realize they're here to make not a living, but to make a difference. And so the more that God gives them, the more that they deploy for his glory. I will tell you this. Some of the elders of our church have been extremely um, blessed. We did not have them, you know, uh, you know, we have a lot of guys that aren't. They're living, you know, closer to paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. But there have been some elders that I've watched who have become very successful in business And what I've watched them do is use that success to create more time, you know, um, with their life to be able to serve people more. And in fact, they've gone to their companies and just said, hey, I don't need to keep making all this money. Are you okay if I use a lot of my work week to be a leader and serve in the church? Because frankly, I've made enough money now that I don't even need to stay in this business. But I'll keep making money so I can use it to advance the kingdom. And I, I love the fact that I'm able to contribute and worship God by being a good businessman, but they're not going to stay in business to keep making more money. These guys are using their time increasingly for kingdom purposes beyond just being faithful at work, right? So, you know, I, I just, I, I want to just say again that I think people should be concerned about what the motive is of individuals, but I would be slow to judge motive. Yeah. I think it's appropriate to ask the question, but it's dangerous when you start to say, if you wear shoes or shirts that cost over a certain dollar amount, you don't love God. Yeah. Because I will tell you that I see lots of guys that are wearing really nice clothes that maybe love God. And I see lots of guys who aren't wearing nice clothes who don't love God either. So uh, we're to clothe ourselves in righteousness. Now I will tell you, there is a propensity in our society to love things more than we should. And I do believe that there are some guys that we're watching um, in the way that they're leading 
that we don't think are being uh, influenced by scripture. And I, I think, listen, the currency of leadership is trust. And you got to ask yourself, should people trust me based on what they see? Right. Right. And, and if, and if what they're going to see every time they look at me is um, me not taking the admon- admonishment of Christ, what does Jesus say? What Matthew six, he says, Hey, are you worried about clothing? That's not a good idea, man. Observe the lilies. They don't toil or spin. You know, yet I'll tell you, even Solomon was uh, in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. I, I think there's a lot of guys. It's a fact that are way too concerned with their clothes today. And I think that people are uh, not discerning enough sometimes in going, you know what? That's not above reproach. Okay. And and anybody that thinks that someone's going to be more likely to listen to them because they're wearing a certain jacket or a certain brand doesn't know what the brand is that they're supposed to be identified with. Yeah. And so I'd be really, um, I think, I think I like the fact that some of your more astute and discerning listeners are like, man, that just doesn't look right. And I think pastors have to ask themselves, yeah, why am I so committed to this look? Because the look I really want is when people see me, they see less of me and more of Jesus. Yeah. Doesn't don't you think we kind of set or I mean all of us set up this environment for kind of a catch 22 with pastors though? So like we it the past like we should be above reproach. We should uh trust pastors based on on what we see yet uh you know, some of these guys and girls are basically signing up to be public figures or, or have 500 to a million uh, followers on Instagram. And so they have massive curated images. Um, something that comes up to me is like this whole battle between wanting to show that you're doing good in the world while also not elevating your own image. So like the criticism from my end is like, dude, all you, all I can see is the pictures you're choosing to post, and the pictures you're choosing to post are well curated image of you preaching wearing super nice shoes. Why don't you post about some of the good you're doing in the community or some of the money that your church is giving away? But the counter to that yeah. is like, well, now are you doing that to elevate your image in a different way? What do you think about pastors being kind of concurrently public figures, and how are we supposed to? quote unquote, admonish those um, guys and girls, if at all, like a guy in LA that we, as people believing the same things as him or her, are we able to go to him and say, hey, what you're doing is not biblical? Or do we just need to trust that their church body is going to admonish them? Uh, What do you think about that? And that's a super long question. It it is, but I was gonna, you know, the way you asked it, I really liked it. I mean, like one of the things that you said is, you know, they got like what half a million, a million followers. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Um, but if they are carefully producing an image so they can have more followers, and that image that they are carefully cultivating and and um, crafting is not an image that is ultimately influenced by a desire to be seen the way Christ tells us to be seen, then that's a problem. Okay. In other words, if your goal is to have a bunch of followers and you'll do whatever you have to, to get the followers, you've already got idolatry in your life. But if you're doing everything Jesus wants you to, and you happen to have a bunch of followers, then fantastic. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that's interesting is like, if you go back 
um, when I think about like Christ, there, there's this interesting thing about Jesus early in his gospel ministry where what I think some theologians would call it the silence motif of Jesus. So like um, he heals a leper and, you know, he tells the leper, you know, hey man, see that you say nothing to anyone. Yeah. Just go to the priest. And so you, you'll, you'll see that again and again throughout Christ's ministry that he, he has a tendency to tell people, hey, I don't want you, you know, um, to let the rest of the folks know who I am just yet. And people go, why did Jesus do that? And I would say, be careful that you're not going to say other guys that are okay with letting people see their gifts and their ministry um, should, should be like Jesus where they're making sure that nobody knows who they are. But there's a real good reason that Jesus did that. You know, in, in Mark chapter one, right after that, it says that when Jesus went out after that and to spread the news around, because the the leper didn't do what Jesus told him to do. He told everybody, hey, this Jesus is healed me from leprosy. He didn't go to the priest. The reason Jesus wanted him to go to the priest is because everybody knew that nobody could heal anybody from leprosy except God himself. Mm-hmm. And so and so the priest was supposed to be put on notice. Jesus was letting the religious leaders of the day know, man, the Messiah is here. This thing that Isaiah said would come has come, right? And only God could, could heal you from leprosy. And the priest was the one that had to say, yep, you're healed. And they knew it was a miracle. And so Jesus, one of his first miracles was to, was to heal a leper so the priest could know. But this, this leper went and told everybody. And it says as a result of that, Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city. And so he had to stay out in more unpopulated areas because everybody was trying to find him because he was this, um, you know, this carnival act. Right. And and Jesus was constantly trying to tell people, hey, man, I'm not trying to be a carnival act. I'm trying to give you the power of God. And I will tell you, you know, one of the things I do watch sometimes when people speak or, or, or certain pastors, if they've got lots of followers, that's great. But I sometimes go, man, it does look like what you're doing is to get an audience as opposed to be faithful with the audience that you've been given. I've actually had some folks tell me this who have ministries that sell tickets uh, or that are conference-driven ministry or that are interested in um, uh, in followers and influence. Say, Todd, man, we love everything you say, but man, bro, you say some things sometimes that, you know, it, it puts people in a place where they'll, they'll get a little uncomfortable. And I just, uh-huh. I just really want to have a ministry that's just as real welcoming and that everybody can feel is coming. I go, oh, let me ask you a question. Do you think I don't want to be welcoming? I go, but what you're saying is if, if I'm willing to teach about all these topics, if you will teach the full counsel of God and not just the, the parts that people want to hear, and you don't want me to do that because it might hurt some of your audience. And I'm not talking about just, People who go, you know, anybody who says, all I want to do is have people trust Jesus is not listening to Jesus to begin with. So I reject anybody who goes, I don't talk about those issues because I just want to be about the gospel. Well, the gospel is not just Jesus Christ crucified, dead, and buried. It is Jesus Christ crucified, dead, and buried, raised, and you are called to follow him and to be conformed into his image. We are when we preach and go and make disciples to teach them everything that God has commanded, right? Wow. And so Christ divides men, man. Yeah. That's what he says in Luke 12. I've come to cast fire upon the earth. And, and you know, you think I came to grant peace? No, but rather division. And so sometimes I hear guys go, I don't really think I want to divide my influence by being clear on certain things. That's a problem. That should tell you you're already being influenced by something that 
the Bible says you shouldn't be influenced by. So any pastor that says, hey, we're just an evangelist of ministry, we just introduce people to Jesus, I would say, who gave you the authority to not do everything God's called his servants to do? Dang. (sighs) That's incredibly convicting. Uh, But at the same time, at the same time, let me say this to you, is if somebody, and I I, I wish I could go back and listen to the way you phrased the question, because um, if somebody's goal is to have a bunch of followers, that's a problem. But if somebody has a bunch of followers, that's no longer a problem, okay? Because Jesus went from telling some men, hey, don't go tell them what I've just done. Just go to these smaller specific groups. So at the end of his life, he said, man, go and tell the world, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you you tell everybody in the world everything that I have commanded you. And that's the second part that's key. So I'm okay if God gives certain guys huge platforms, but their goal should not be to maintain that platform. Their goal should be to be an individual that is what Jesus says it should be. So here's what I would say. Have as big a platform as you want as long as immorality or impurity or greed is not even named among you mm. as is proper among the saints. So yeah. I don't want to hear any filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting because those aren't fitting for a spiritual leader, right? Yeah. And so let me go back to your question. Sometimes people look and they go, hey, these guys, you know, if they see greed in them or they see immorality in them, that's not proper among a saint. Mm-hmm. And so I do think they ought to be concerned about that if they see them motivated by anything less than having Christ be exalted and Christ be the center and not themselves. Yeah. It kind of leads to the the whole question around, I guess, public ad- admonishment or call-out culture. Um, so part of why the account kind of blew up was there was an element of kind of pointing to something that needs to be addressed. And I guess the the question, the, why I asked you the question earlier was, what do you think admonishment looks like now? Is there a place for public kind of call-out culture, even if we don't attend these guys and girls' churches? Uh, is there a place where Christians can be involved with that where it's healthy and helpful? Because... Uh, you know, a lot. There's a lot of negative kind of collateral damage that happens in my comments section in my account, and uh, I've struggled with how to facilitate that or not facilitate that. Would it, from your perspective, how do we, if at all, admonish kind of these guys that have chosen to be public figures? Well, I mean, listen. Let, let's just be honest. Um, I, I think. Let me say this. I think one of the things that's appropriate is that we teach people um, to be discerning, all right? One of the things that, you know, um, Paul, when he prayed for the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, you know, he just said, man, I pray this, that your love may abound still more and more, what, in all real knowledge and in all discernment, so that you might approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Look, there are some things that are happening in the name of Jesus that are not blameless, and that are not excellent. Hmm. And, and, and mature, growing believers should have real knowledge and discernment. And so if what you're doing with your website is giving people a grid through which they should consider things, 
then awesome. I said, yeah, so your website, you know, your, your Instagram account, <laughs> yeah. for an example, yeah. you know, your social media, then I think that's awesome. Now, if what you're doing is you're saying, I know their heart, I know their motive, I'm determining that because they wear shoes that cost more than 27 bucks mm -hmm. or more than 227 bucks, they are um, wolves in sheep's clothing. I would just go, man, bro, let me ask you, where do you see that in scripture? Yeah. Okay. So, so my, my, I do believe that it's appropriate to teach people the kind of questions they should be asking and remind them the things that they should look for in a spiritual leader. Yeah. And it's not great sneakers. Right. It's also not burlap. Right. Okay. And so we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I, I love that what you've done is that you've, and by the way, I mean, let's just let everybody know this is kind of late in our conversation here, but it's so funny. My, my son, you know, found, um, you know, your Instagram account long before I did. And he, I think started um, just kind of messing with you and, and texting back and forth. And I think you even threw out, you know, what do you think about Todd's Olakai's or, or, you know, uh, all birds, you know, <laughs> is all birds, <Yeah. laughs> you know? And so, and it's got like, you made some comment or I forget what it was, but you commented back in a way. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, he's closer than we thought. This and That so was on bit, Easter Sunday last year, actually. Is, is that what it was? Yeah, it was. Cause we were walking into the service with my wife's parents and uh coop messaged me. It was like, Hey, you know, put my dad on blast or something. And I was like, I promise you, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's so funny. The, it was a picture of you in the Allbirds, which are $99, yeah. which is 99 bucks. And my first one was a gift, right? But I would <laughs> yeah. tell you, uh, you know, somebody called me because what size shoes do you have, bro? I'm wearing these shoes. They're amazing. And they said, and I actually that those Allbirds, I think I had on somebody actually gave me, but, but whether, whether they were, you know, whether a gift or not, I'm still responsible for what I do with them, you yeah. know? And, um, I, I, but, but anyway, it was really funny because early on, you know, uh, um, as I became aware of your website or again, I keep saying website, bro, forgive me, but like, you know, your, your, I have your a Instagram website. account, um, you know, it, it just, uh, you know, I was asked a lot about, Hey, what do you think? And actually you, before I even knew who you were, you sent me an email saying, Hey, help me process how I'm doing. And we engaged about this topic yeah. about what you're doing, you know, a little bit in our, um, you know, long before, it really blew up, right? Yep. We just started talking about how you think about some of this and what your motivation is even in yourself. Are you trying to build a bunch of followers for yourself in the way that you encourage people to be discerning about who their pastors are? Because if that's your motive, then, you know, I think there'd be some room for repentance in your life. Yeah. But if you're just going, Hey, I don't know. I mean, cause I, you know, people that don't know, um, don't know that you just started just jacking around, just kind of you and your friends asking yourself this very question. And, and as you guys batted it around, it kind of blew up. Yeah. Right. Yep, exactly. But I, so, I, I also, you know, fully full transparency, like I struggle with loving having a huge platform now and people thinking that I'm funny and people thinking that I'm causing a good discussion that feels really good. And so like, I, yeah, I, have to constantly repent of that. I mean, I talked to JP about it this summer on the podcast and he was like, you know, the, the surprising or the, you know, the funny thing is, bro, now you have so much more of a platform that's a lot like the guys that you're posting about. And I'm like, I know. And uh, it's, it's a struggle. Like as a person that likes attention, 
having someone, having a lot of people follow you at once uh, is something that requires a lot of repentance and uh, forgiveness. Well, so here's I'm the question. So what you have to do is in this, because the truth is, you know, we all, it's earth. All right. So I want to extend to you a lot of grace and, and, and every guy gets some grace. But part of the maturity is that when you come to see that Christ is enough, that you don't order your life in order to get um, all the celebration of other people. And then also, this is the thing. I can remember watching uh, a Larry King interview with Joel Osteen one time. And he was and, and, and Larry King, for you know, your listeners who don't know who he is, mm-hmm. Larry King was like, man, the bomb. I mean, he was like Gail King and um, you know, who's the dude that just interviewed uh, Bieber on Apple? Zane Lowe. Okay, Zane Lowe. I mean, you know, you stack all of them on top of each other. There was like nobody but Larry King. Like yeah. if you got on Larry King, there was not a bigger megaphone or platform uh, in the world, okay? Mm-hmm. And Osteen was on there and and Larry King actually got kind of frustrated with him because he kept asking him real pointed questions and, and Osteen kind of kept diving around the issues to say, well, Larry, you know, I'm not even trying to do a Joel Osteen because I don't want to be demeaning with, with a voice. Sure, I just sure. want to, you know, he just kept avoiding the question. And afterwards, Osteen was asked about it. And he just said, he goes, I don't want to, you know, lose my platform. And I'm like, bro, you know, I'm trying to let Jesus, you know, in effect, he was saying, I'm trying to let Jesus take me where he wants to take me and not lose people before I get there. And I'm like, dude, where Jesus wants you to be, is faithful with one. And if he wants to give you two off of that, then let it go to two. But you are already are on the biggest platform God could give somebody and, and you didn't use it. So that would suggest to me that you wanted something more than a platform. You wanted to stay on a platform, right? Yeah. If we want platforms and a million social media followers so that I can have a million social media followers, that's called idolatry. Yeah. Okay. Now, look. I want to encourage you with this, and I I would say this to any human. Look, man, we're made in the image of God, and so, you know, if, if we live our lives well, then our lives should uh, well, we'll it, they'll be praiseworthy lives. If I live my life well, God Himself will praise me, and and God is glorious. God <laughs> yeah, sure, God sure. has forever been deserving glory, and God has been. Uh, forever welcoming glory. And one of the things he hates about sin in our life is it causes the glory he intended for us to be diminished. Hmm. Our problem is not that we want to be glorious people. Our problem is our strategies to receive that glory. Okay? And if I start to build a tower so that I get glory, that's a problem. Right. Okay? And, um, and and if I start to then, once I get a lot of guys noticing me, go, well, I don't want to do anything that's going to have them stop liking me and following me. That's a problem. But long before you ever had hundreds of thousands of followers, you still had that same temptation inside of you. Now the only deal is, is it can become kind of a drug to you. And you can start to go, hey, I think I don't just love that God's given me this platform. I think I love the platform. Yes. And that you need to repent of, right? Yeah. But even before you had the platform, I want to say this, man, no temptation overtook you, but such as is common to man. I don't care if you're a junior high and you want six guys to like you. It's the same thing. The question is, are you willing to compromise who God's called you to be to make those six guys like you? 
Right. And the problem on earth is that most of us are trying to get six more guys to like us more than we are here to be Christ ambassadors to those six guys. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so look, I mean, I just I do want to just finish that verse for folks that are listening yeah. in, in what first Corinthians 10, you know, where it says the temptation's not the problem. All right. But we want to confess it and we want to just acknowledge, hey Lord, I don't want to live to make men like me. I don't want to live so men give me 10 shekels and a shirt. Mm-hmm. I want to live so that people see your beauty and your goodness and your glory. And, and so it's so interesting, right after this verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, hey, don't be upset if you want to be venerated and celebritized, but repent of it, right? And just so you know, with that temptation to be a star, God will provide with you a way of escape also so that you might be able to endure it. We all know 1 Corinthians 10, 13, but you know what 1 Corinthians 10, 14 says? It says the next thing, watch this, see if this is related to what we're talking about specifically. The next verse says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, guys beat themselves up because, you know, they can't stop lusting with their mind. But as much as guys think about sex all the time, you know what we think about even more? We think about power and influence and prestige and celebrity. Why? Because celebrities with power, prestige, money, and platforms, they get all the sex they want. Yeah. Okay? And so I'm just telling you, man, um, you've got to figure out who your king is and what audience you're living to please. Because if you seek celebrity or power or influence or money, what's going to happen to you is exactly what we talked about earlier, right? At the very beginning about is it wrong for us to be in a ministry you know, for money? The answer is yes, because those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful do- desires, which plunge men into ruin or destruction. And men who do this, who wander away from the faith, they pierce themselves with many griefs. Hmm. So flee from these things, you men of God, and pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and perseverance and gentleness. And bro, if you want to do that, while you drive a Mercedes and you want to do that while you wear, you know, I don't even know the name of a good looking shoe, right? Uh, or you wear just some cool top, then just know that everything you do reflects on the one you say you're seeking to glorify Yeah. and be careful. But I won't tell you that the only people that God loves are guys that, you know, preach in bare feet. Yeah. Because if you're preaching in bare feet to be the barefoot preacher, everybody talks about that's as much of a sin as preaching in $800, you know, kicks. Yeah. Uh, what the listeners can't see right now is me squirming profusely in my chair because uh, of being immensely convicted about all these things. <laughs> uh, that's an amazing word. Uh, everything you do reflects the one that you say you're trying to elevate. Basically, if you're saying that you're uh, preaching the word of God and you represent, or all of us that represent the one that has saved us from our sin, our lives better reflect that person or that God that we say. Amen, that we- man. You know, he must increase, I must decrease. And yes. hey, let me just say this to guys because it's probably not just quote unquote followers that listen to this. I bet you a lot of leaders listen to this. Yeah. Okay. There's an amazing 
a couple of quotes. Um, you know, I hear guys that are a lot wiser than me say some things. And so, you know, Churchill said, it's good for ignorant men to read books of quotes. And I agree with him because <laughs> you can quote smart men and sound smart. That's yeah. why I try and as much as I can run to scripture because it's, it's, it's going to be glorious and useful. But there's a guy named Archibald Brown who not many of us know, but he actually seceded um, uh, Spurgeon in uh, uh, his pulpit in, at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. Mm. And, and he said something that is just so great. He said, hey, listen, guys, cease to amuse, seek to arouse, shun the clap of a delighted audience and listen for the sobs of a convicted one. I, I love that because I think so many guys, and I talked to my, my young pastor friends, and they're trying to figure out how they can become that guy that everybody else wants to listen to. Yeah, And I'm like, man, you don't want to be the guy that, everyone just wants to listen to just so they listen to you. You want to be a guy that God in his grace allows to speak in a way that it produces in their hearts the thing that's going to be a blessing to them. And it's not going to be their fangirling you. It's going to be their desire to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I want to say this to young pastors, all right? There's a guy named John Brown, who was also a pastor uh, in the 18th century. And he wrote a letter to a kid, a, a young man that was a student of his who had just been ordained to what he described as a very small congregation. And this is what John Brown said to him when he wrote him a note. He said, I know the vanity of your heart and that you will feel mortified that your congregation is very small. So let me just say mm -hmm. to somebody who's being faithful on Instagram or faithful on Twitter and go, you don't have all the followers that the preachers for sneakers guys do. And I would say, well, who cares, bro? You know, because you're going to be measured in this way. So let me read the quote again. Yeah. I, I know the vanity of your heart, that you're mortified, that your congregation is very small in comparison with those of your brethren around you. But assure yourself on the word of an old man, this is an amazing statement, that when you come to give an account of them, meaning your followers, to the Lord Jesus Christ at his judgment seat, you'll think you've had plenty enough. Wow. So my, my word to you, okay, is, is my word to me. And that is, hey, look, um, I love the fact that you've got, how, I don't know how many hundreds of followers you do right now. I love the fact that publishers, because you've got a lot of followers, are wanting you to write a book. Yeah. But if you won't write things in that book or you won't put things on your Instagram account because you think it's going to make your followers drop, then you need to repent. Yeah. Woof. I received that. <laughs> and, and, and listen, I said, you know, you know that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I don't, I don't want to offend needlessly, but the gospel's offensive. Man. Yes, right. And I, I tell them all the time, truth sounds. I mean, yeah, truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Right. What was? But, the, but I would just say this. You know, truth spoken in a hateful way is not smart. So you want to say things as best you can with your speech, seasoned with salt, as it were. But whether it's a pulpit or an Instagram account, if your goal is to make people follow you and not to be a servant of Christ, you need to repent. That's idolatry. Yeah. Yes. I think that's a, a word for all of us. I mean, in, in a world where we're uh, so envious of other people's lives and envious of other people's reach or appearance or platforms, uh, just speaking to me, that is something I have to repent of all the time. It's like wanting to have more influence and to feel like I've made a difference for however many millions of people uh, just so that I can be loved by more people. Um, that's something that I have to repent of constantly. 
What was that verse? It's, it's, what was that verse, verse in Luke yeah. that uh, I think you said the Luke twelve where Christ divides? What was that verse? Yeah, remember? that's Luke twelve. I think it's around fifty. Um, let me just go look. I'll pull it up. Okay. I'm um, sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to. No, make that's sure. good. It's it's Luke twelve forty nine through uh, fifty three. That little section. Okay. But but specifically the word the verse that he says. Um, do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. That's Luke twelve fifty one. Okay. Yeah, and I you know I just. Gosh, there's so many things as we're talking. And I love this conversation. First of all, I am so proud of myself for not using your name. About 12 <laughs> times I've gotten right to say your name, and, and I, I haven't because, Thank you. you know, you're not just a podcast to me. You're you're a member of the body of Christ that I'm a part of. Yes. And, and, and man, I love you. I love the way, you know, I, I love the way you're just really honest about, hey, man, this is hard for me, you know, because, A, I've always kind of wanted to be a person that others thought lived a meaningful life, and I just want to encourage you. You should be, right? Yeah. But if you want it so that people think you're great, you just need to we just need to keep reminding each other every day, all day, hey man, we already know we have value in who Christ created us to be. And so we're repenting of looking for love and idolatry and looking for love in all the wrong places. And I love your honesty and your humility and the way you kind of confess that. My my encouragement to you is to use the platform God gave you without fear. Yeah. That that all of a sudden the buzz will leave. Just why you got the buzz, man, use it. And so in terms of also knowing that sometimes, you know, and, and by the way, one of the reasons this thing blew up is because you and your buddies are incredibly good at the copywriting and and taking pictures and finding these things. I mean, you put a lot of work into this. <laughs> and and you know, people appreciate not just your content, but the way you go about the content. Uh-huh. And so, but, but, but I want to remind you, and I know, you know, remind myself in the midst of this is as God blesses us in what we do, we just got to remember that it's God that blesses us and not the reward that we get from men on earth for what we do. Right. And I love it. There's a guy, um, there was an old Navy captain, like lived like, this is what men, when they really read the Bible, used to all talk like, even if they were Navy captains, his name was um, W.L. Hudson. He said, the love of wealth makes bitter men the love of god better men and you could take you could take the love of wealth out and go the love of the applause of men ultimately makes men insecure bitter and enslaved but the love of god makes us better men because when we're loved by god i don't need anything from you and i can just serve you and i can just love you you're not a mark for me yeah you're not something that i need to exploit you're something i can pour myself out to and then I love what Wesley said about money. You know, he said, make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. But but I want to remind guys, you know, when it says make all you can, which is that little statement there, when you, when you hear Wesley say make all you can, you got to go, okay, what did he mean there that I could support? Because mm-hmm. I would say live as faithfully as you can and live as excellently as you can. And if your hard work creates income. That's awesome. But just know this, making money isn't your goal. Bringing glory to God is, is, is your goal. So when it says make all you can, you probably ought to insert there, but not any way you can. Right. All right. Yeah. yeah. And, and when it says save all you can, I would, I would say don't create storehouses so you don't need God. I would say be prudent, not independent in your saving. Yeah. And then the give all you can, you do that one for sure. 
because you believe the words of Christ, you know, and uh, that the Paul quotes in Acts where he says it's more blessed to give than receive. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I, I think it's okay, man, if God's letting you because you're diligent and creative and hardworking to have things, but you are there to make a difference. You're here to make a difference, not to make a living. And you don't want more comfort. You want more faithfulness. That should be our goal. And as your brother, the reason I love these conversations is I want to spur you on that way. And may God increase your wealth and may God increase your faithfulness for him and increase your platform. But in all those things, right, um, the real wealth I want to see increased is the wealth of your knowledge and heart to serve Christ and your faithfulness in being a good steward and the platform that he gives you, man, may you just use it to make more people know the satisfaction that can be found only in Jesus and not being somebody that they even hear about Jesus from, but just that Jesus alone satisfies. And when yeah. you get more, right? I love this statement. The rich are infinitely better than the poor because while the poor still think that money can buy them happiness, the rich know better. You know now that you've got hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, that that's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> but you also know that Jesus is. So use that platform to remind them of that, even while you're training your listeners to be discerning about what they should look for in their pastors. Yes. Todd, I'm, I'm so grateful for that word. Uh, I'm sitting over here trying not to uh, get emotional. I'm, uh, I feel very encouraged by what you just said, even though it's, uh, challenging and uh, calling all of us to repent. Um, I know we're, I know we're at time and I could do this probably five or six straight hours. I know I want to be respectful to your time. You got a lot of uh, emails coming in, um, but thank you so much for doing this. I don't know this. what's up with that, man. I got to stop that nonsense. <laughs> uh, so afterwards I'll have my friend teach me how to shut off that stupid <laughs> ding. I need to get that done. That's all right. Uh, it's good to know that, you know, you're still busy even amidst not having the church doors open. The church is still happening, even though the doors are closed. So that's, that's encouraging. Uh, if people want to uh, reach out to you or find out what you're up to online, wh where's the best way that they can connect with you? Cause I'm sure they'll have, uh, opinions to spout and, uh, feedback. <laughs> is this my chance to build my followers? Yes, it is. Yeah. Your career is about <laughs> to skyrocket now. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah, I'm on, uh, I think what Twitter and Instagram, both of them are at words from wags. That's kind of the, the, it's so funny when Twitter first came out, I don't know why I got on there and I thought it was going to be, uh, just this little thing you use to kind of coordinate within your family. And so <laughs> my very first twiddle handler was twiddle handler was at twit daddy. Cause that was what I was going to be with my, my kids. And then later I went to get Todd Wagner and it was already gone. So words from wags is my uh, Twitter and Instagram quote unquote handle, but uh, watermark.org has a lot of the messages that we're sharing with our body. And if it can be an encouragement to folks, and I think you're right that the real truth, real quick stuff on YouTube is where we try and answer um, questions about life, leadership, and the world we live in. But man, read your Bible. Don't listen to me. Yeah. And if I can help you want to read your Bible more, listen to me. Awesome. Well, uh, Todd, <laughs> Todd Wagner, thanks for spending the time with me. And I would love to do this again because I got about 40 new questions for you that I would love to get your insight on. But in the future, Hey, let's do do it again. We've talked about doing this for months and we finally did it. And so I probably talked way too much, but I love you. Love you I'm too. proud of you because of, um, I believe your heart. I know what you want to do. And I, I want to be your brother in, in every way I can, helping you excel still more in using 
the platform God's given you. And you've done a great job. I love the way you're humble. I love the people you get in your podcast to talk about this. I know that right now you're writing a book that you're going to want to be faithful in and not write a book that will sell, but a book that will show forth the truth of the gospel. And you're doing a great job of it. Let's both pray for one another, that we excel still more, give each other some grace, but not be afraid to speak the truth. And I know you're doing that with others in your community, uh, you and your bride. Um, I'm proud to be yoked with you. And I just pray your listeners are discerning and that you know your heart is not to mock other guys, right. but maybe to ask questions um, that will help people grow in all knowledge and discernment. So anyway, it's awesome to be with you. I'm trying not to use your name, but... Uh, <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) Pastor Wagner, great talking to you. Thanks so much for listening to the Preachers and Seekers podcast. I hope you got something out of my conversation with Todd. I know that I was immensely challenged and encouraged at the same time. If you didn't do what I told you at the very beginning, you have another chance. Go and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating. Leave a review. It helps me out a ton. No sponsors today, but I did want to give a shout out to my buddy SJ for the intro and outro track, In the Light, from his new EP by the same name, In the Light. Follow him on Instagram at SJ. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll check you out next time on the Preachers and Sneakers podcast.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.